Dickens, and I am joined by my co-hosts, Dixie Cochran. Hello. And Danielle Lauzon. Hello. Hello, not Eddie Webb. Eddie Webb is... Ha ha. Ha ha, yes, be gone, Eddie. God rest your soul. Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm trying to cover our are bases. We, are we killing Eddie again? <laughs> Apparently. Well, you know, I, Eddie's presumably not going to be back for at least three episodes. I don't know what could happen between now and then. Maybe like two episodes. I don't know. Uh, maybe never. We'll see how things go. I Just don't so think that's you all the case. know, I am not killing Eddie to take his place. That I saw you as happening. a bit of a cuckoo here. No. You know, you just kind of moved in, <laughs> took Eddie's spot. Just pushed him, pushed him slowly out of the nest. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> and we just heard this like, ah, and thought, oh, the wind's making strange noises today. I, I would, it wouldn't be so obvious if I was doing that. Oh, okay. So you're just be doing announced it with in the first subtlety. two minutes of the podcast. <laughs> for, for the listeners, Eddie's fine. Eddie moved recently. Eddie is not available right now. He'll be uh, back as of time of recording. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yes, uh, it is a different trio on the podcast today, uh, which is actually quite exciting because for the first time in a long time, we are going to be doing our five-minute game brainstorms, uh, which until now we have only done Dixie, Eddie, and myself. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hear what ideas he has because these are always really fun. No pressure. Trying to put together a game based on random pitches in five minutes is really fun for me. Obviously, mm. it's fun for you, Matthew, since you're actually making the world below, which was yeah. originally a five-minute pitch. Uh, th this is how I get my ideas. <laughs> 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 uh, but to be honest, it's, it's, I guess, no different than being in a any kind of think tank. Yeah, like a writer's room, even. Yeah, but usually an idea probably requires more than just going, ah, for five minutes and coming up with ideas before farty horns sound to, <laughs> to play you off the stage. I am, uh, I'm going to warn you that I am under-caffeinated and barely awake, so the first few of these, I might just be going, ah, for five minutes. Well, that's good because I like to think that before you start uh, messing with your your chemistry with caffeine mm -hmm. and food, uh -huh. yes. uh, we will get the purest version of Danielle. <laughs> it may not be pretty. <laughs> Essence of Danielle. D distilled Danielle. <laughs> Eau de Danielle. Cold, cold uh, pressed Danielle. Cold pressed, yes. I mean, it is cold where you are. It is. <laughs> and I know there's people may be wondering, where is Danielle? In your mind. There I'm you in go. Texas. I was going to say in your minds uh, and hearts. Where it's yeah, cold, a state but, you know. known for its uh, historic coldness. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm. Uh, but the times, they are changing. And I suggest we get straight into this so that we've got enough time to cover a few of these off. And we often do a bit of a post-brainstorm mm -hmm. autopsy. Uh, and then we discuss at the very end which of these we think is actually most saleable or workable as a concept. So I mean, clearly, Dragon Tagami Cooking Mama, whatever that was called. I'm I'm disappointed that that wasn't the one Rich went with. Dragon uh, Dragon Megami Tensei. Uh, I am making. Champion. Uh, I am only making the world below reluctantly when <laughs> when you could be making <laughs> Takayaki Chicken Mama. <laughs> Yeah, uh, takoyaki chicken. Takoyaki 
Chicken Mama Dragon Tensai uh, Seven, I think, plus Alpha X. Why did you um, have octopus balls now? <laughs> <laughs> That's I'll the say, sequel. My, oh God! When the squid invades the uh, with the restaurant next door. Well, that's 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 what takoyaki is, though. It's octopus balls. Exactly. Yeah. Well, this squid oh, is so evil, selling its own family off um, as foodstuffs, <laughs> and you, as the heroic dragon, have got to bring order back to the culinary industry. Why is this just the plot to Fire Emblem? Well, do you follow? Do do the sort of Mass Effect thing and follow the path of the honourable dragon, or just be a complete <laughs> shit like Gordon Ramsay and just shout mm. at people constantly or breathe fire at them? Uh, that's raw, raw. It isn't anymore. <laughs> raw. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm going to nominate. Uh, so Danielle's got a little more time to get caffeinated. Dixie as our first contender. Well, I've had half a cup of coffee and a soda, so I'm probably you know caffeinated enough. Okay, uh, I will uh, be timekeeper and prompt generator because I am a megalomaniac. <laughs> well, usually that's Eddie. Well, usually Eddie does prompts and you do time. Yeah. I, I don't do shit. It's great. Exactly. And uh, that means I will be my own uh, timekeeper, uh, which might mean I get seven or eight minutes. We'll have to see. Cool. I can keep time whenever it's your turn. That, thank phone. you. Thank you. Yeah. I, uh, I was going to let Matthew do it himself. But we right. all have stopwatches. Yeah. One hour <laughs> later, and he's still talking about this damn kitchen game. And I didn't have to do any work. <laughs> see? Okay. So. <laughs> We are using a prompt generator that is primarily for video games, but that could result in interesting TTRPG ideas. So up comes our first one. And Dixie, yeah. your first prompt is oh God. Oh God. genre beat-em-up rule. <laughs> so there's a rule part of this prompt, okay. which is this rule has to be incorporated in the game somehow. Okay, Maybe a central part. And the rule is simply one minute. So something has to take place in one minute. All right. Setting, superhero. Okay. And theme, urban legend. So beat them up, one minute, superhero, urban legend, go. <laughs> urban legend. <laughs> okay. Um, God. I'm trying to think of a good urban legend to base this around. Because um, there are so many. I used to be really into reading urban legends when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So I have, I have I have read a book called Curses Boiled Again more than once when I was a, a, a child that was about Hook urban man car hand yeah <laughs> <Door>. <laughs> man car hand door <laughs> what happens when the urban legends are forced to don tights and become superheroes well I'm I'm gonna steal that and just run with it okay. um all the main characters from various urban legends uh whether it is hook, hook hand car door man hand <laughs> um, or like Bloody Mary or what have you. Uh, things things that could be classified as cryptids, but could also be classified as urban legends. Mm. Uh, they come together uh, once a year to have a series of battles to determine who is going to be the number one urban legend. And when you're playing this game, you can take on multiple urban legends, um, depending on how many players you have, because it's going to be like a tiered bracket system. Mm-hmm. Bracket. That's what I meant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're going to have a have a bracket to determine who the best urban legend is, and they are going to fight. The fights are done by a series of rapid dice rolls, um, where you're just rolling dice and comparing them, like uh, War, the card game, right? Where just yeah. highest card wins. Um, but you have you have to do as many as you can in one minute, and so you're just accumulating points 
and whoever gets the most points in one minute is the winner of that battle. Uh, but between that, you have sections RPG wise where you are talking to each other. You have like a like a wrestling situation where you have to you know cut a promo every now and then. Yeah. Um. Talk talk to the fan base because obviously if the Uber Legends are now superheroes, there's a fan base. Uh, they they might even be more like super villains. I can really see this being like a super villainy type game, which is still in the superhero genre. Yeah. But this is this is more like a you know, who is the best of the Sinister Six situation? Only it's Hookman Car Doorhand. So uh, how does this work in a party? As in, is it going to be teams of urban legends, uh, so that you actually have a reason to join up with other players' characters? I would say that there are always like 16 of the urban legends that come to fight because that's how brackets work best. Mm-hmm. Um, and you each control some number of them. Yeah. And if there's like one or two left over at the end, then the uh, GM controls those. Okay. So everyone controls a bunch of them. You, uh, maybe the game comes with uh, hats or paper crowns and you change them depending on which urban legend you are right Ooh. now so that you can tell which character you are. Uh, when I was in Rocky Horror, we used to do a switch, like a like switcheroo cast night, where we all played each other, and we all just had one prop each to say like, "Oh, you're you're wearing the glasses. You're Brad. You have a blonde wig. You're Janet." Mm-hmm. And so, like, same kind of thing. Like, oh, you've got a veil on. You're Bloody Mary. You've got Hookman car door hand. So you're obviously Hookman. <laughs> uh, I, I I love that meme way too much. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I just love when you can distill a story down to five words and people know what story it is. So so tell us about the world that these urban legends exist in. Is it our world, but let's say darker? In a world. Um, <laughs> uh, it is a world where uh, there are no actual gods, but if something gets talked about enough, it pops into existence. Mm-hmm. As an avatar of the thing it's been talked about, so a bit so, Neil Gaiman-y. right? I was yeah. about to say yes, but without the initial gods being there. Mm. There's there are no pantheon gods in my world. There are just like pop culture folk tale gods, which I think is cool. I don't know why I think it's cool. I just do. What is the driving motivation for the the annual beat 'em up? <laughs> um, let's see. What does the winner of the beat 'em up get? besides renown in the urban legend community. <laughs> um, I would say that they get a movie made of their story. <laughs> and that means that their legend endures. Oh, wow. Now that's really good because it means that the horror films that have had a ridiculous number of sequels, the sort of uh, yeah. uh, Friday the 13th, it means yeah. Jason Voorhees has done very well at this tour. Yes, exactly. Yes. And Hookman Car Doorhand was obviously in I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yes. And there have been Bloody Mary movies. There okay. are all kinds of urban legend movies. Well, we're approaching the end of your segment, Dixie, so what's the name of your game? Oh, shit. I forgot about this part. Legendary Showdown. I can't believe you committed suicide. I cannot believe you committed suicide. <laughs> well. Is this your timer? Your, your, your alarm is Neil Breed. <laughs> I'm afraid that is, um, your time is up. <laughs> my, 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 my brain. <laughs> your, yes, your brain breened uh, just at the right time. Oh my god! Do you do you have different brain clips? Or is it I do. Going I have a be... brain soundboard. Oh my ready, god! Ready for this episode. Oh my god! Uh, I spend my time productively. <laughs> so, Hi, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
so, uh, and just because I know you had to rush it out at the end there, let's remind our audience, what was the name of that game? Legendary Showdown. Legendary Showdown. Okay. It has legend in it. Mm. I don't know. I was doing my best. So let, let's do an autopsy of that idea now. Okay. Now that it's concluded. Your word choice here, autopsy. We can't do a retrospective. No. <laughs> it is already dead. We have to cut it open. All right. Um, so I'd play that game. Yeah. Honestly, I think I would do. It sounds like fun. It's 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 more of like a party RPG than it is mm-hmm. like a you know serious RPG. Yeah, yeah. I think well, a lot of the time when we when the so called indie RPG, uh, I guess, gets made, I think it gets made with the idea of one shots or convention mm-hmm. play or what have you. Yeah, yeah. And th- certainly, when we brainstorm games like this, they tend to lend themselves to that sort of thing. I uh, likewise I could see this working well as a card game. Yeah. yeah. Uh with with a do... dice mechanic. Yeah, I mean I definitely it's one of those games that I think you could make as like a one page RPG, you mm-hmm. know? Like like a honey heist. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where it's like it's like here's one page, it's got everything you need to know because the rules are very simple, but you can use any pop culture or horror legend situation, like Candyman or whatever, and just go from there. This reminds me of a uh, so I was a judge on the 200 word RPG oh, yeah. uh, contest a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. And one of the con- contest entries that I read that really stuck with me that I enjoyed a whole lot was this game uh, where it was essentially who has the most dice. Effectively. Nice. Mm-hmm. It was like you, you played at a convention where you start with uh, one die each and whoever has the highest number wins. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then you meet again, and, and usually you let a little bit of time pass, and it's all the dice that you have on you, whoever ha- rolls the highest wins. Then it's all the dice that you can collect from people surrounding you. <laughs> and then it is all the dice that uh you can collect like non-purchase right that you can collect mm-hmm. in in a day and then it's all the dice that you can collect in a week oh good lord that's so many dice <laughs> and you go and you meet and have a roll off <laughs> <laughs> and, and i was just like this is ridiculous but also i kind of love it there, there's a it does feel good as a sort of almost a gang builder game yeah mm-hmm. uh, i could see that if you wanted to emulate the warriors or something like that as an rpg but before we start talking about all of that danielle you've got to make a game oh man okay i'm not ready for this let's go well i've already clicked the generator twice because the first one well, would have been totally unfair okay thank okay. you i appreciate that can can, um, can we still know what it was uh yeah. Uh, Tell me so... afterwards. I don't want it to. Okay. Uh, okay. okay. It might muddle. Right it might. Well, I might okay. have forgotten by that point, but it doesn't matter. That's okay. This one, I still am quite confused by the genre, but nevertheless, the genre is physics. Okay. Okay. The rule is unconventional movement, which I quite <laughs> like the sound of. Okay. Setting is cyberpunk. All right. And All right. theme is spy thriller. Okay, so a cyberpunk spy thriller with unconventional movement that is a physics game. 
So yes. that's so that's like Goat Simulator in right. the uh, if it were the, a video game in yeah. the video game world. Yeah. Totally accurate um, battle sim- simulator. Yeah. Uh, so in a tabletop RPG, cyberpunk spy thriller. Those okay, two so, probably go together the easiest out. Of yeah. Them. Okay. So you're a team of secret agents who are specifically heisting one thing and that is a non-newtonian fluid okay and you've got to collect this non-newtonian fluid in a variety of containers by chopping it up pouring it however you can and that's where the mechanics come in you have skills in either pouring or chopping or scooping Mm -hmm. your non-newtonian fluid but you have to transport it by pouring it from one container to another to get it out the building. Okay. So somebody may have a box. Somebody else may have a cup. Somebody else may just have their hands. Uh, (laughs) What tool you have is dictated at the beginning of the game during character creation. (laughs) And you must decide what order you're going to move the fluid in. And you're going to also determine how much of this you can heist before the guards are alerted and your timer runs out. Okay. And this non-Newtonian fluid mm-hmm. is essentially foodstuffs for the people. Mm. Uh, it's not like Soylent Green or anything. It's not people. Oh, uh, so you're like, the like cyberpunk aspect comes in because the uh, the people are, are, are starving and you are helping yes, them? Yes, yes. That is the point of the heist, is to feed the people. Nice. Okay, yeah, so that's good because that embeds setting in your action immediately. If you're Robin Hood types. Yeah. I'm just thinking about the foods that are non-Antonian fluids. Like, everybody's just, like, running out with, like, a spoonful of ketchup. Just, like... <laughs> Custard. Custard, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, a, a necessary part of any starving person's diet. Uh, where does unconventional movement fit into all of this? You can... You can't move. You can only move the fluid. <laughs> okay, I'll ask another question. Where does role play fit into this? <laughs> You must negotiate how the fluid is is moving between your characters. I see. Okay, so you just like what? You just stand on a line between where you started and where the fluid is. I think I think I said fluid too much today. I don't like it. Mm. We'll we'll cha- we'll say moisture uh, <laughs> next because uh, that's a much nicer word. I actually you don't mind call the word it moist. Ooblack. That is also a, another name for it. Oh, and you could call it that in this, and it would sound cyberpunky. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. You could write it in kind of like a cyborg, work work kind of font, like yeah. Yeah. black. <laughs> Sounds like yes. a Klingon. It does decoration. sound like Klingon. I thought that as soon as I said it. <laughs> uh, so that so obviously we've uh, well we we've established something of the setting by the fact that these heists are taking place. So there's an element after you get the food out hmm. uh, where you have to go distribute the food to your community. And that's that's part of the role play element as well. I assume there will be guards hunting you down, the sort of yeah. sheriff's men, as it yes, were. Yes, yes. Can you can you move when you're walking <laughs> yeah, away once from the, the heist? <laughs> once the heist is over, you're not stuck in the the Ublek anymore. Okay. So you were like standing in it before and it was very hard to move, so you couldn't. And I assume the Ublek is is contained in different uh, different kinds of structures. So, you know, it's not going to be the same heist every yes, single time. Yes, exactly. Vaults exactly. of different difficulty. Yes. Mm. Some, like, mazes. Yeah. 
to prevent uh, to prevent notorious heisters. Uh, does the immobility only come into effect when you are transporting the the this fluid, or is it as soon as you get into one of these vaults? Because I wonder how combat, for instance, if combat is even a factor in this, would take place. I think this is a game where you're trying to sneak and avoid combat. If, yeah. If you get caught, you're dead. Oh. Mm. Okay, I like that. You've upped the ante. And as we are nearing the end of your bizarre game uh, synopsis... It's a great game. What What would you call it? Oobleck. Oobleck. Well, obviously. Obviously, that's the best possible name for it. <laughs> obviously. Your pill-taking for pain relief has gotten out of control. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All of your modules could have really fun names, though. You could have one called, like, Pass the Pudding. Yes. <laughs> Gack Attack. Yes. I think Pass the Hinds is already a, an ad. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> crimes of Custard. Oh, Crimes of Custardy. <laughs> custardy custardy battle. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I am so glad we did that at the same time. <laughs> Custardy battle. Oh, oh this is some this is some stiff competition. <laughs> That's right. Pretty... Rich is gonna be spoiled for choice from this episode. <laughs> uh, we we've been talking about what game pos- could possibly supplant Dungeons and Dragons and now <laughs> uh, Ublack. Custardy Battle. Ublack. Ublack. <laughs> Ublack. Colon Custody Battle. <laughs> <laughs> Uh. <laughs> and the cover just looks like cyberpunk red everybody's like what the fuck it's a 300 page book yeah <laughs> you have like a whole like section detailing your your currency system that you never have to use yes well <laughs> now it's matthew's turn yeah yeah. All right, I've got my timer ready. Oh. I don't have a soundboard, so you can also I'll, I'll do it. When you say go, I will sound out myself, then okay. I'll stop. Um, <laughs> all right, so apparently my one is genre farming. Mm. Rule is magic gone wrong. <gasps> okay. It sounds fine. I, I don't know how that works as a rule, but I'll think on it. Setting is world war. <laughs> Less fun. And, and theme is love against the odds. Oh. Yeah. I kind of want to play this game already. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm done. It's like, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I game made itself. It's got like Stardew Valley vibes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so All first right. things Go. first. Yeah, first things first. Is, there, is the world war in progress or is it post-war? I think the world war has to be in progress. Yeah. Because post-apocalyptic is, um, it's quite common. War doesn't have to mean apocalypse, though. No, no, that's true. I think it is going to be traditional nations versus nations, kingdoms versus kingdoms kind of thing. Okay. And unlike most games of that type, you are not playing some heroic champion who dons armor and wields a sword or or the like. You are a simple peasant who is trying to manage a farm and raise a crop while under the constant threat of raining bombs, uh, poison gas, uh, armies invading and trying to scavenge from your lands or simply mm-hmm. raid from you, that kind of thing. So there's a bit of a bleakness to it, uh, as there always is in my ideas. Um, but I think, where where could magic gone wrong? Magic gone wrong could, if I wanted to be lazy, form, I guess, the cornerstone of why there's a world war taking place. 
there could have been a magical weapon that went off, or there could be a magic, or there could be magic that people are fighting over. What if magic gone wrong is your um, is has to do with your crops? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, maybe there's the oh, there's the risk that your crops can go wrong because you people are starving. There's a war on. I mean, right. this is the world of Ublek. So. <laughs> So we need uh, we need farmers. We need people who are going to grow things. But unfortunately, because of the war that's ravaging the land, the ground is largely untillable. Uh, plants won't grow. And so you have found, you and your party of farmers have found hidden, forbidden ancient magics that should allow you to affect the crops, let them grow. It's green magic of some kind. And unfortunately, due to the age, maybe part of the some of the pages from these books have long since eroded, the magic sometimes goes wrong. Uh, sometimes you will have unforeseen consequences to your farming activities. So day-to-day activity in this game is you will be attempting to not only secure your lands, but mm. also farm. And at the noon point, you are required to cast a spell to ensure that your plants stay healthy. Unfortunately, though, those spells can summon monsters. They can turn plants carnivorous. They can do all this and that and the other. But mm-hmm. the good thing is, because there's a world war on, and sometimes you're going to be having armies turning up to rage your plants, sometimes you want the magic to go wrong. Oh. So when people come and try and rip your pumpkins out, those pumpkins turn around and eat them, or scare them off. Now, Love where Love Against the Odds emerges, is usually I think that would be the easiest thing, because tonally it's quite a strong idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but so far I've not addressed it in the slightest. So... I guess love against the odds you could have something like if you really wanted to get bleak and dystopian you are essentially farming to save the life of someone who has been held hostage essentially every farmer's household has had a family member taken by the kingdom and they've basically said you're going to farm for us or we're going to kill your family jeez um and but your love persists despite this and while you're working on the farm you are also hatching a plan via the sort of ublek robin hood gang <laughs> to rescue your loved ones love against the odds you it is surviving it's thriving just like your crops are thriving but there are also a hell of a lot of things embattling it at the same time i think that's more interesting than you loving someone who's on the opposite side to you during this war uh that that doesn't really appeal to me yeah. um but but that said, that all sounds very narratively strong. It doesn't necessarily give a lot of room for role play. Nevertheless, I'll open the floor to questions. <laughs> How would this work with a party? Like if you have like four players? I think you have to have a party what? of farmers. You have to have a farming team. So you need someone okay. who, for instance, is an expert on vegetables, another who is a fruit farmer, another who is a pastoral farmer, very skilled with animals, that sort of thing. Oh, okay. husbandry. Uh, so you all have a different focus that you would have in a normal RPG, but mm. where focuses tend to be based on how are you going to kill these things, this time it is how are you going to support the farm. Okay, uh, okay. So every part of that system is essential. You know, you are a well tuned machine, and if one of you falls, the farm might suffer. So you need to support yeah. each other. Okay, what is this game called? Oh, uh, oh, let's. So it needs to be something harvest, something. Uh, let's go for Rainbow Harvest. Rainbow <laughs> Harvest, Rain- all right. The Rainbow. time is up. Yes, because on your... Um... Your time is up! 
<laughs> Rainbow Harvest sounds a lot happier than uh, it this does. one. I, I, liked it as an ir- I liked it as an ironic thing. I was thinking like Bleak Harvest. <laughs> I, I was thinking Bleak or Red Harvest or something like that first. But I quite like the idea that before the war started, your farm was called Rainbow Harvest or something like that. Mm, and there was a big mm. sign above the gate of a lovely... Uh, lovely iridescent rainbow, let's say. And now, on the front cover of your book, the rainbow is all ill-treated. It's the paint has run. It's molded away, and so it's it's um, an ironic title. Yeah, the word like like bow part of rainbow is like faded out, like a light that's, that's like burned oh, out. Oh, I it's like that rain farm. Yeah, yeah. I have a suggestion for this game. That I'm very pleased with, actually. Oh, yes, please. Go so, ahead. So, to make the uh, love against the odds thing work so you don't all have to have, like, your romantic yeah, partner that, that, missing. Yeah, that wasn't a good idea. Right. So, <laughs> but, no, no, you can make it a good idea by saying that in this game, You're all the players place... No, well, sure, if you really want to do that. I was going to say all the players play siblings and they've taken your parents. And the reason that your magic goes wrong is because you're trying to use your, like, parents' magic that you're not very good at yet. Oh, Okay. So like, you, you like have to keep the farm going, but it you're, gives you're, a reason you're for yeah. It gives oh, a you're reason all for, kids, yeah, oh, like yeah. small children. I mean that that lends even more or weight even like to teens. the Rainbow yeah. Harvest name, I think, because it makes it sound a bit like a nursery or something like that. But yeah, oh god, but that's even more bleak, isn't it? Your child farmers <laughs> in a war. Your parents have been. Why on earth this kingdom has decided? You know what will make our farms better if we make the children farm and we kidnap the adults. <laughs> Not not the other way around. <laughs> oh my god. But I, I just took a sip of coffee as you said that. That was a bad time to drink. <laughs> but that is where we're going with Rainbow Harvest. So, Dixie. Oh no, it's my turn again. It is. Uh, oh, do you want oh another god. sip of coffee before you begin? Uh, no, I'm good. Alright, I'm not sure how well this works, so I'm going to give you the chance to veto it before I start the counter. Okay. Okay, genre is arcade slash robot programming. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, you know, you could probably think of an arcade yeah, yeah, background. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Rule is side effects. So, presumably, there's side effects to a reaction. <clears throat> uh-huh, uh-huh. Setting is Lovecraftian. Theme okay. is conspiracy. So, to repeat again, arcade X robot programming. Side effects Lovecraftian conspiracy. Huh. Yeah. Well, you've not said no, so away we go. Yeah, no, we're going to go for it. Because I am I am thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so you play as characters in a game, right? Like, you are in a video game mm-hmm. in, in an arcade setting. Think, like, almost like a Wreck-It Ralph situation. Yeah. Um, which is one of my favorite movies. Um, so your character's in a video game. You don't know your character's in a video game, though. You just think that this is... What you do, um, you 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 get up, you go fight, you do all this other stuff, you know, whatever. Until one day, somebody from a different video game breaks into your video game and tells you that it's all a simulation and that you have to escape. Oh. And so you have to figure out how to escape the world you're in, which mm. might involve fighting your way out through the various monsters and other beasties, or you know, bad guys or whatever that are in your thing. Yeah. Or or, or maybe maybe you are a bad guy. Maybe it requires you to make the game do a game over for the player before you can escape. So it's like a Wreck It Ralph Free Guy mashup. Kind of. I haven't seen Free Guy, but yes, I I 
I know the premise. However, as you escape and you get into the more of the like meat of the game, because I would say that finding this out and escaping is kind of like, you know, prologue first thing you do. Think of like Changeling 2E, right? <laughs> like mm. the first thing you do is escape and then other shit happens. That's when you find out that the arcade that you are in is run by some kind of shadowy, terrifying organization that has been actually trapping souls in the games. And as they force the souls to do the same thing over and over again, that energy feeds their elder gods. And so you are essentially a soul that has to escape and find a way to break free of the cycle or take down the arcade. Yes. That's a... I feel like I have seen something with a story like that, but I don't think that it makes it bad at all. I I really I I really like the idea. I think if you, I mean, yeah, if you start off in eight bit world or wherever it is, yeah, and you have to advance through what is more, I guess, Tron like in the circuitry and mm-hmm. you know making your way quite literally through the hardware before you can get out as well. Yeah. That could, that could be portrayed in a quite lovecraftian fashion it would look like an alien world wouldn't it yeah yeah i i definitely can see it where like they said first first you have to go through your game world and then of course if you want to do a longer campaign of it you could have to escape through however many game worlds you want to Mm. i i talk about this book a lot in the context of anima but the Otherland series is really good inspiration for that because as they go from one simulation slash game to another yeah um the 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 rules of physics change the world changes there's you know one that's like a cartoon land where they're all flat and they gotta figure shit out there yeah um there's one where you know they're the size of ants or smaller than ants and so they almost get eaten by a bug so what is the goal of this game i would say it's like uh almost like a wraith like the goal is to ultimately i think uh not not be part of the cycle anymore to like break Mm. break out of it whether or not I, I don't, I think in the context of this game, because I also get a little bleak here, you would not actually be able to defeat the Elder Gods, but breaking free of the cycle is a victory. Yeah, essentially, you're trying to break the game to stop anyone from ever playing it again. Yeah, and and also maybe if enough of these trapped souls break free, then it could eventually defeat the Elder Gods, who have who have trapped you there. Yeah, I I would go so far as to say I think this is the strongest idea yet. Thank you. I don't hate it. Uh, <laughs> if you want to make it funny, you can make it a They Came From game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you can always slap that label onto something, can't you? Right. Um, well, I have to confess, I forgot to time this one. Oh. Um, but I think it's been that... about five minutes. Yeah, so uh, I guess we will do the, the signal. <laughs> So Neil Breen <laughs> has called time. Uh, we didn't ask for the name of your game, though. Also, I think in that clip, Neil Breen is the Elder God. who's saying that these people must be punished and eliminated immediately. I think having Breen as an antagonist in anything is a good idea. Uh, and I'd probably call it something along the lines of Ghost in the Machine. It's it's archetypal as a name. Yes. But I think it works. I mean, yeah, like for, for this, it makes sense. I'm sure you could do a million other things with it. I... I could just call it Souls-like, because of, you know, all the Dark Souls clones. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think what, what really appeals to me from that Wreck-It Ralph side of things is when he gets to interact with characters from different video games, you mm-hmm. could, in theory, have a party of characters from different game genres. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you could yeah, have totally. a Dark Souls character, you could have Ryu from Street Fighter, you could have Donkey Kong or whatever, you know. 
Yeah, I would say that your classes are informed by the kind of video game that you're from. So mm. you would have like a fighter archetype, which is like your Mortal Kombat's, your Street Fighters. You know, you would have a, a family game archetype, which is Mario, Donkey Kong, whatever. And you could just go go from there. All right. Any other questions, Danielle? No, I think I'm good. All right, then. I actually fun. like that one. <laughs> that one's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I have generated a new prompt. This one's for you, Danielle. All right, I'm ready. All right, this one <laughs> seems accessible. Maybe okay. a bit too broad. We'll see. Okay, and I will remember to time this one. So the genre is a simple horror. Okay. Rule is everything is connected. Setting okay. is modern day. And theme is overcoming of fear. So horror, everything is connected. Modern day, overcoming of fear. So I'm just making changeling. The I was about to say, but not changing the. Good lost. job. So <laughs> Good okay, job. well you've Done. got. The, let's say they are the prompts used for changing the lost. Make a different game with the same prompts. Okay, so everything is connected. Horror. Whenever you say everything is connected, now all I can think of is The Last of Us. I'm just like mushrooms. I'm thinking of like the Sylvie Pepe like meme <laughs> where he's like got a a, a board with yeah. like yeah. everything is connected. Um, Who is Pepe Sylvia? Yeah, uh, so I think that this game is, um, it's also not Hunter. Oh, man, like, (laughs) we already have so many games like this. Yeah, also, I keep thinking about Demon because everything is connected with, like, infrastructure. (sighs) Yeah, okay. Um, Pitch a 13th Chronicles of Darkness game. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying not to think of those things. All right, so. Prove that you can reinvent the wheel. Yeah, I know. You are a group of plucky investigators. Like you're like, like your Scooby Doo's. Well, you're yeah, you're teens. Okay. Uh, you're not hired investigators. You're just you. You like to snoop around. You're like the Hardy Boys or Nancy Drew. You like to snoop mm-hmm. around when you're not wanted, solving mysteries. Um, and. You're in a world where everything is literally connected. There is one omnipresent government that is like Big Brother, uh, 1984 bullshit. So cameras, everything. There's shit like thought crimes. Uh, People get arrested for having banned books. Uh, it's, It's a bad place to live. And you are investigating a weird phenomenon that the government has essentially tried to convince everyone doesn't exist Hmm. but you don't want to give into the programming Hmm. and you want to find out what the source of this phenomenon is and so you're dodging the government and you're also essentially trying to discover the truth about aliens and i assume these aliens as this is a horror game are horrific oh yeah Oh yeah, um, they they're like aliens from the Aliens movie. Oh, they want to eat your face, xenomorphs. Yeah, they they want to burrow inside you and pop out and eat your face whenever. Why would the did. government not tell us about this? Because <laughs> they don't they don't want to panic you. They don't want to panic you, and they think they have it under control mm-hmm. until they don't. So where does the overcoming of fear enter into this? Um. Well, everything is scary. The fear of the government, fear of the aliens, uh, 
your your teenagers have to even overcome the the fear that their parents may catch them. Um, every action that you take is about overcoming your fear of of being caught. Is there like a morale or something tracker? Yes. Yeah. There's a morale tracker, not sanity, just morale. Mm. Yeah. Um, or like stress and alien. Yeah. Um, you're, uh, you're, you're always trying to get up the gumption to do a thing and to keep going in mm-hmm. the, in the face of what is honestly a very bleak and horrific life. What happens if your morale gets to zero? Do you die? No, you you pack it in and go home, and you stop being a plucky investigator, <laughs> which is essentially character death. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you don't actually like. So you go back to becoming a normie. Yeah. <laughs> is this game, dare I say it, queuing on the RPG? <laughs> oh no! Stop oh. it! No. Well, I'm just asking the questions everyone else is too afraid to ask. <laughs> uh, Neil Breen has spoken. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Danielle. I'm picking up a lot of questioning of the state and thinking that the government's hiding plain truths. We Aliens. Pl- yeah, exactly. Uh, I think this was going down a dark path. <laughs> well, you can think that all you want. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering what this conspiracy really is. What's it called, Dee? Um. Oh, I didn't give it a name. Um. It's called... A normal Friday night. Ah, so it's on a normal Friday night that they discover that things are not as they seem. Yes. And then the world, everything starts to unspool from there. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking that it's too bad the title Infowars is taken by something terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, Your y'all. game has been co-opted by the alt-right, Daniel. <laughs> I'm just saying that if you have a game with all the stuff that you just said, InfoWars would be a good name for it, aside from the fact that it's taken by a very shitty person. You might get free promotion from him. No. No thanks. I don't want that kind of promotion. Me either. (laughs) All right. Back around to you, huh? Yeah. So let's see. Oh, this one's um, interesting. Okay. Genre is casual. All right. Rule is start small, setting is distant future, and theme oh. is patriotism. <laughs> okay. Now I want. I worry we're about to retread some territory. Here. Well, no, because like the rest of it's really interesting yeah. if you think about starting as like 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 an evolution type game or something. But mm-hmm. the patriotism makes it weird. I think um, it's going to be this. Okay, so this game's going to be a bit of a tongue in cheek poke. At the idea of exceptionalism and colonization, settlement, exploration, so on. Uh, Taking a bit of a Swiss family Robinson, uh, lost in space kind of approach. Uh, You're starting small because you are a family floating around in a space habitat. You can define in character creation how you came to be alone. Were you exiled from a larger ship? Did your ship blow up and you're part of an escape pod and a family unit or something like that? Whatever the case, it's just you and your nearest and dearest and no one else at first. Maybe a couple of NPCs because role-playing games need characters to interact with. And as part of it being in the distant future, of course, it is sci-fi. There will be certain lack of want nanofabricators and so on on board your ship. But there's this patriotism element. At least someone in your family group 
probably one of those NPCs thinks you're special in some way because you survived. Maybe they attach religious significance to it. Maybe they think it's just because you were that damn strong, you endured whatever event it was. Maybe they have the secret of why you ended up here. And so your sh- your ship is uh, pilotable, navigable, whatever. You can take it to planetoids, moons, and in fact, I would suggest uh, it has an onboard computer that can immediately detect any such planetoids and direct you to them. Whenever you arrive, you then have to juggle that innate patriotism that's been instilled upon you. This is my plant. I'm planting my flag here, while also dealing with the people that already live there, trying to coexist with uh, the resources, maybe just taking as many much resources you need to go on living uh, to refuel your ship before you take off again and try and find somewhere more habitable or more like your own people. Mm-hmm. Um, but each place you're going, you're despoiling because you're breaching that prime directive of, you know, I don't care what these other people are like. I need to settle on a planet. And if it interferes with their cultural growth, I'm afraid that's their problem, not ours. So I guess it would be called something like boldly going or planting your flag or something like that. Do you have flag? <laughs> uh, I think you've got an infinite support supply of flags and you get to design your flag and character creation as well. Is your that like your flag. your like group creation is uh is the flag and the and the family? Yeah. I think that the fact that it's supposed to be a casual game means that uh, it needs to be system light. Mm-hmm. So you can play this as a one shot where it, like dog eat dog or something like that if you want to make it really dark you are basically playing through being settlers on a planetoid that doesn't want you there and everything you do fucks it up. And then you just leave. You take your stuff and leave. Or don't even take your stuff. You leave your trash and leave. But you, I think it would be doable to make it system light in the respect of, you know, everyone only has three traits. Most, uh, you are, you will almost always be the most advanced individuals technologically in this game. You will never land somewhere that's more technologically advanced than you. Uh, so in that respect, you always have the advantage over the people you interact with, but there will be other occasions where they will have the advantage over you because of your blinkered nature. Mm-hmm. Um, you think you're exceptional. And hopefully it becomes a game of learning where characters are not constantly fixed into this everywhere we settle, we're improving mentality. And it may create some civil conflict where you have to decide what you're going to do about the patriarch of this family who's determined to lead you to your great destiny. Uh, Is there an ethical way of dealing with him? Is he subject to re-education? Because essentially you would need to deprogram yourselves from this cult-like attitude as the game goes on and then try and deprogram the cult leader who is an NPC. Uh, But yeah, uh, I think that kind of works as casual start small distant future patriotism. And there you go. Yeah, good timing. What's the name of the game? What is the name of the game? I think we will go for um, Boldly Going for the time being. All right. I guess, you know, that that I could go a lot darker with the idea of you're basically arriving on distant shores, fucking everything up and then leaving. So I could try <laughs> referencing real world events like that, but I think that would be a little too glib. Well, I, I was going to say, don't. It, wasn't this game supposed to be casual? <laughs> 
Yeah, well, I, you know, <laughs> uh, I I find it impossible. It seems to do anything that's truly lighthearted. Uh, Casual suppose... genocide. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there was no Breen that time, unfortunately. The button oh. didn't work, so we are la- we are lacking a Breen. Oh no, we're Breenless. Yeah, no. I can find a Breen if it's really essential, but I think I don't think he I, is. I think we're fine. Yeah, <laughs> um, a bunch of Breeniacs. Well, what what would you two think uh, as an alternative to boldly going? Maybe distant worlds. We have a book called that. Yeah, we've done that <laughs> oh. for Trinity, haven't we? Oh yeah, we have. <laughs> um, what about? That is, Plant your yeah, again. Plant your flag. It has that rah 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 patriotism feel to it, yeah, but it um, I don't think it feels uh, sarcastic enough. <laughs> Unless you accompany right. it with some really propagandist like art, you know, yeah. of of hulking American planting a flag on a planet, as uh, skewering a bunch of aliens with the uh, flag stuff. <laughs> so yeah. Okay, so we have Boldly Going. That's six games. Six games conceptualized within an hour. Some stronger than others. Now, do... <laughs> <laughs> the the real test at this point is one thing. Do we want Dixie to have one last go because we have enough time? What? No. No? Okay, so a six is fine. Yeah, we have In to talk about case, these, these six now. We have the to, like, true pick, test pick is favorites. can we remember the titles of them? <laughs> or even the detail of any of them? <laughs> I'm still remem- thinking about Ghost in the Machine, so um... I remember Ublek. Ublek <laughs> uh, did stand out. Uh, Ghost in the Machine stood out. What was your first one, Dixie? Let's legendary talk about them again. battles. Legendary yes, battles. Urban legends that come together once a year to decide who's the greatest urban legend, and they get a movie, a, a movie made about them. So I would, I would suggest that if if you're going to use it as a party game, to have a slate of movies picked out. And then you can watch one after you play. Mm-hmm. Ah, yes, yes, yes. So yeah, the so the character that wins then gets watched by yeah by the player characters exactly. Oh, the way the players rather yeah um, yeah. yeah. Well, and uh, there, there's a nice serendipity to it because when people sometimes muse online about if you could do another Chronicles of Darkness game or World of Darkness game, what would the protagonists be? And a lot of the time, people will suggest either aliens or cryptids. And urban legends do fit in that cryptid, you know, mm-hmm. uh, bracket. Yeah. So it wouldn't be completely off the wall to make a game where you are playing the Candyman and Bloody Mary. And... The Jersey Devil, Chupacabra. Yeah, yeah. The main issue is they aren't known for their dialogue, a lot of these. No. Uh, <laughs> uh... Which, is, which is where the role-playing <laughs> comes in. It would be fun to see what, yeah. what, what a conversation between those would look like. Yeah, try playing Leatherface. I'm sure the conversations will be enthralling. Like, how would how would Bloody Mary cut a promo? You know, <laughs> she well, she can cut something, but you know, <laughs> uh, so where? So I think it's only fair that you, as the creator of uh, Legendary Battles, some uh, can uh, assess it critically now, Dixie. Hmm. Do you think it's the stronger of the two ideas? Of mine, no, I don't. Um, I definitely think it's the weaker of the two. Um, I do, however, think it sounds fun. And like I said, it would be a nice little like one shot, one or two page RPG kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing that I don't, I, th- I think like win any awards or anything. But, you know, something you could just make and throw up on like itch or something. And people would find it and think, oh, this is fun and clever and interesting. Like, okay. I like cryptids and watching movies. 
Me too. Uh, any last thoughts on Legendary Battles, Daniel? No, I mean, I said earlier I'd play it. Like, yeah. Still true. So what about Ublek then? This is uh, one of the rhinos in the room, I think. <laughs> oh, 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 so I have to remember the name of mine and he just gets to... Uh, uh, no one mine. could ever forget. I know, I'm just giving... I kind of give Matthew shit. <laughs> so yeah, looking back at Ublek now all that time ago, all what are your thoughts, ago, Daniel? Yeah. You know, I was young and stupid back then. And... Uh... <laughs> There's a lot I'd do different <laughs> if uh, if I had it to do again. Second okay, so edition. yeah, I was going to say, ooh, ooh like two e. You know, the unconventional movement was really limiting, mm. um, and I feel like uh, there aren't enough role play elements to the game. Um, yeah, is it a game I would play? I mean, yeah, I'd probably play any of these games because um, <laughs> I'm a trash panda and. Also, I think we just like games. Yeah. Is it a game I would like? Probably not. I, you know, just going to say that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think that uh, I need to see the mechanics for Ublak Transfer to really know if it, was, if it had any legs. Hmm. Um, no, it seems the characters don't. Yeah. <laughs> They're stuck. They're stuck in the goo. Okay. Um, so I think I think there is something salvageable there. Uh, I think that the unconventional movement you could instead of having everyone immobilized, which I've got to be honest was the strangest idea that came out of this brainstorming session, <laughs> having characters that just cannot move while while performing a heist. Um, it it really does restrain. <laughs> Restrict action, role play, <laughs> and indeed what you can heist. Uh, it, it it, apparently. Um, so I was thinking instead of that, you could make the unconventional movement zero G. You know, every oh. single one of these vaults you're raiding is outside atmosphere or something like that. Yeah. So you are a, um, yeah, a zero gravity vault cracking team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that would have been way better. I agree. Um, <laughs> or, or the company that you're trying to raid it from because it's a cyberpunk thing could only put their vaults in incredibly inhospitable environments. So at the bottom of the ocean, in mm-hmm. space, in the middle of a bloody volcano, it doesn't matter. But that means that your movement, by definition of your environment, will have to be unconventional. And who knows, maybe one of them will just render you completely immobile. Um, but but it, I think I do think there is an idea there that uh, that making a heist game that isn't the typical bank vaults and jewelry heists and things like that um, is interesting. Well, thank you. I'd back it <laughs> <laughs> if well, you took good. my ideas <laughs> and hired me. Ah, uh, yes, the traditional fan. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, so my uh, first idea was Rainbow Harvest. Yes. Looking back on Rainbow <laughs> Harvest now, at the ten-year mark of its success. Yeah, well, uh, some call it success, some call it scandal. How did it win all of those awards? Who was bought off? Uh, and <laughs> how did a game about child labor become so yeah. much part of our cultural fabric? Yes. How was it so critically acclaimed and yet sold no copies? 
again, I don't think it's I don't think it's a bad idea from a setting standpoint. I think the idea of playing farmers, a, a game where you are doing something other than being the central heroes in a conflict appeals to me. Essentially, you are in the backdrop of a conflict rather than right at its heart. Um, So that's something that's appealed to me for a very long time, the idea of being civilians caught in that sort of thing. I don't know. I mean, I know the idea of playing children was thrown in quite late by you, Dixie, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I blame you for that idea that we were so close to publication we had to run with it. (laughs) <laughs> why did why did the editor put this in the book? I didn't even approve this. <laughs> None of the art matches up. But yeah, I don't know. I think it may be a bit too grim. I mean, I, there's always a place for grim games in the indie market, but yeah, child la- forced child labor even I think it takes the enchantment off of having magical books that you can use on your crops. Mm. Um, See, I was just thinking about like there, there are you know several books, especially older ones, that center like a band of children doing things that aren't Lord of the Flies like that are actually Mm -hmm. more like delightful. And I was thinking that like to the kids, they're having a pretty good time, but just the backdrop is not fun, you know? Yeah, like like all of the like Little House on the Prairie type books or Mm. uh, some of the Anne Green Gables books, things like that, where like there 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 are adults, but their presence isn't the most important thing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yes, I guess a sort of borrowers thing where there are bigger people around you, Mm. you just don't interact with them. So yeah, that could work. We don't need the hostage thing, I suppose, for that, for any of it to work. But I do like the idea of um, of base management and, yeah, occasionally armies turn up to raid your territory, which we've got some of in the world below as well, but you can basically turn your territory against them. That's fun to me. I would back it. it. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any final thoughts on that, Danielle? Would Would a you back rainbow harvest i would definitely read about rainbow harvest (laughs) and strongly consider backing it before deciding that i have backed too many kickstarters yeah you'd read about the game that drove this developer out of the industry (laughs) (laughs) how could he advocate people play characters like this uh so next up is probably our the crown jewel of this if i may say so uh, certainly from my perspective uh which is your next game dixie do you remember its name i called it both souls like and ghost in the machine depending on how i'm feeling (laughs) and what are you what are your thoughts on it now i still think it sounds cool like i i like the idea of video game care like it's kind of a reverse anima, you know, mm. where yeah, in anima yeah. you are people who go into a video game to do things. And in this one, you are video game people who leave the video game to do things. Um, I really, really enjoy the thought of having different video game archetypes come together, especially because every video game archetype would have so many like subclasses that you could customize them pretty well. Because obviously a character from like Final Fantasy and a character from Donkey Kong are going to be very different, but also yeah. both have skills. Um, so yeah, no, I, I don't hate the idea. I, I keep picturing like a, like a darkened arcade, kind of like the one in, in the first season of Stranger Things in the Upside Down mm-hmm. or, or the second season. I don't know. There, there's a season of Stranger Things that has that. Um, and so I keep thinking about this, like the creepy overgrown arcade with like that, like faint glow coming from, 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 from a machine that probably shouldn't even be working. Yeah. And, and, and yet here it is and it is collecting, like I said, souls and and various other powers for these gods of some sort. So yeah, 
I like it. I would play it. I like it. I would play it. Yeah. Would you yeah. back it though? Yeah. Nah. Wow. Nah. <laughs> Once again, Matthew's like, only if you hire me. <laughs> this is how Matthew hustles for work. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, uh, no, I, I would. I think it's a really strong idea, to be honest. I mean, like, like, like I said, as a fan of both horror and uh, like Wreck-It Ralph type situations, I'm like, you can put those together if you really want to do. Yeah, yeah. It incorporates a lot of what I'm a fan of as well. So, yeah, I think um, uh, Ghosts in the Machine, uh, which I think is the better name for it myself. Probably. Although if I thought uh, about it more, I'd probably come up with a, a, a much better one. They came from the arcade cabinet. <laughs> that, that was what I was thinking if it was going to mm. be funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so next up is Danielle's second game. Um, the A Normal Friday Night. Yes. In retrospect, then. In, in retrospect. Um, I'm still kind of vibing with it. Mm-hmm. I I don't regret the choices that I made for it, uh, despite the the tendency to want to make it into an alt right <laughs> conspiracy game. The thing is, in in sincerity though, it is actually quite difficult to pursue that conspiracy angle in an RPG now because conspiracy theorists are no longer fun. Right. They are often dangerous insurrectionists. <laughs> yeah. But it's not a conspiracy. You're not conspiracy theorists. There is literally a government like that is oppressive, and you are fighting against them. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a difference between believing these things that aren't true and acting on them, and no, that's really the way the world is. Um, But I can see where you where you have drawn parallels. I would like to see the alien part. expanded a little yeah mm-hmm. to be more than xenomorphs i think uh, they work as slashers obviously because it's you know a horror movie in space and all that right um but they aren't terribly intriguing as i guess an interactive enemy mm-hmm. um so if the aliens that the government is protecting us from or concealing from us have more depth that could hook me in so, you know, uh, I'm happy to write them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you right on that. <laughs> uh, so the last game was Boldly Going. I think To Boldly Go would have been a better name. Yeah. Oh, well, know that oh, well. for the next edition, won't we? <laughs> Bigger, biggest problem with this game is right now the characters would be insufferable, dislikable. You would hate to play it because you're doing horrible things. It would leave a bad taste in your mouth. And while there is definitely room for games that make you hate yourself, uh, they don't tend to be massive sellers. Not that every game has to sell massive amounts to be, to justify their existence, but I don't necessarily want to m- write a game where you start off as spacefaring exceptionalists (laughs) slaughtering native populations and planting your flag in their corpses yeah i mean i I just don't see that going over very well no no i don't it's not a very popular viewpoint these days uh but the but i think again the idea the kernel of the idea can work as if i started chopping away some of the things like casual if your ship was larger 
and you were part of an overall colonization attempt, and there were lots of NPCs there. And the, all of the NPCs have, a lot, or at least the vast majority of them, have this exceptionalist, patriotic viewpoint. The start small aspects can be your player characters are members of a faction that are very mm-hmm. much starting to doubt the party line. Right. So that immediately creates conflict between you and the rest of the crew and you know where you could slowly be trying to subvert the objective of the mission. Uh, I think that is something that oddly I've not seen a great deal of even in I guess my the closest comparison I'm drawing right now in my mind is to something like uh, Warhammer 40k. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I'm not a massive fan of generally, but that's because you are often playing these completely unthinking, uh, well, inquisitorial people who go around purging anything that looks faintly chaotic. Right. If you are playing characters who have more doubt surrounding that, your Horus heresies, I think there's more intrigue to be found. Uh, So I, I... I think it's probably the stronger of the two ideas in scope for me, uh, but it isn't a patch on ghosts in the machine. So I, I stand down as game developer. <laughs> as you should. <laughs> stand down. Do either of the two of you have any idea, any thoughts left on that game? I wouldn't play that game. It no. makes me too uncomfortable. Mm. Um, even the... Even the rewrite is a little, um, like, it's better, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the exceptional, the patriotic exceptionalism, there's a way to be patriotic without being exceptionalist and yeah. colonizers. Yeah. 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 I can, like I said, I, I think if you leaned hard enough into the satire, it could be okay. But it would have to be so clearly satirical, you know? Because mm-hmm. I, yeah. I I I feel the same way. I, I wouldn't want to play like an exceptional patriot person running around no, colonizing no. people. It doesn't sound like fun to me. Yeah, my my mistake was saying patriotism is a bad thing. Yeah, I thought about. Um, so I've been playing Oxygen Not Included, which is a video game in which you're just kind of doing a settlement building um, in a inhospitable asteroid. Mm-hmm. So there's there's creatures, but they're like bugs and stuff not like sentient creatures um but the i could see it being like a settlement building game yeah as the patriotism of like community and uh and just like oh you're on a space station and you're building out your space station and trying to preserve the last vestiges of your of your nation in this uh in this space community yeah Hmm, so there is, uh, okay. Well, I may think on this a little more because I don't really, I don't generally delve into spacefaring sci-fi. But there there could be something to all of that. Well, anyway, uh, our brainstorms have resulted in one of our longer episodes in a while. Yeah, that's okay though. Yeah, yeah. Now, hopefully people have stuck with it. And if you have a favourite out of the six games that came up, and we all know which one it's going to be. Yes, it's obviously going to be Ublek. Tell us on the Discord. Stand uh, still and cast the pudding. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) 
Custardy battle. <laughs> okay, I do like custardy battle. I kind of yeah. want to just make a game called custardy battle where like you are two people who used to be in a relationship and you own a bakery. And the whole yes. game is trying to figure out who will get the bakery in the separation. Oh, that would make a great video game too. And it's called Custardy Battle. <laughs> we just—you just need to write a sitcom, really, <laughs> so that you can have an excuse to give an episode that title. <laughs> I'll get right on it. <laughs> All right, Dee, you ready to write a sitcom about a, a couple running a bakery? You eventually yes. will split up. That's okay. Really yes. The entire premise. Well, let's let's make it a British sitcom, so it's only six episodes long. That means we don't have Perfect. to think as many titles. Now to think of five more bakery-related puns to make up the rest <laughs> of the uh, the series. Um, let's think. Let's think. Let's think. Uh, raising concerns. Mm-hmm. Raising. We're obviously going for a dessert, a sort of Danish pastry kind of thing here. Yeah, I feel like every episode could be themed around a certain dessert, and mm-hmm. so and proofing the point. Oh, nice. nice, yes, nice, yes, nice. yes. Okay. Um, I also think that every episode, the like B plot, should be about whatever's in the title. So, like mm-hmm. raisin concerns should have a B plot about people arguing whether or not raisins belong in like cinnamon rolls. Okay, mm. so it, it is actually it isn't just a funny play on words. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So you've got raising concerns. So So the more thoughtful audience can watch it and go, hmm, yes, this actually made some valid points. I I will lean more towards sultanas in future. Uh, Battered battered husband syndrome? No. Uh, (laughs) That would be a grim last episode, wouldn't it? Uh, Breaking tarts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, um, pie in the sky I think battered and bruised would work oh yes, yes. yes yeah because you need a very special episode don't you uh, as yeah. they're called <laughs> where they have a fight the night before husband walks out and says I'll leave you to lock up tonight then slam ding a ling a ling yeah and he walks off he doesn't come home. Why has Tommy not come home tonight? I don't know. I can't reach him on his phone, on his cell, sorry. And and then when they finally get a phone call, can, the family's huddled phone. around. I just sorry not in this, name. not in this sitcom. Oh. Um, and uh, this is mobile. studio rewrites. Um, <laughs> on his sprint mobile product placement. <laughs> And then they get a phone call. It's about 3 a.m., so they're about to start opening the bakery in the morning. Tommy still hasn't come home. And, of course, he got in a fight uh, because he was running his mouth. Uh, he, he He's an idiot. He didn't know how to control his anger, but he's he's learned the lesson the best way, which is through having the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that is our battered and bruised episode. I think you could start the episode with a basket of apples arriving and the and Tammy who Tammy and Tommy run the bakery. Tammy, Tammy. looking looking at them, <laughs> looking at these apples and saying, We can't sell these apples, they're all bruised. Oh. Oh, and then they like make a pie out of them instead. Yeah, yeah, because like at the end bruised apples. Good wise old Uncle Albert will say, you know, Tammy, it doesn't matter how the apple looks, it's how it tastes that counts. Also, you're right, pies pies what it's what they should make out of it because apples famously include batter as an ingredient. <laughs> yeah. 
No, the battery is what happens to Tommy. <laughs> but the battery is the pun as well. It's both. <laughs> well, I think we've given this more What's thought it? than we it's did Oobler. It's apple crumble. <laughs> Also, also, I think the the opening credit should just be the opening credits to Great British Bake Off, but with our title at the end. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I thought it was going to be the Too Many Cooks song. Too Many Cooks. Apple Crumble because Tommy's ex must have been playing up again. uh... (laughs) How how long are we going to talk about this fictional bakery sitcom? I forgot a while ago that I was supposed to be one doing the sign-off for this episode. Yeah! You were! Um, so <laughs> I just kept going. Uh, so uh, if if listeners want to hear more about any of these wonderful games, Legendary Battles, let's see how many I can remember. Legendary Battles, Ublek, Rainbow Harvest, Ghost in the Machine, q and <laughs> No! 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 Stop! Um... Just an average Friday night, or indeed to boldly go, uh, or Tammy and Tommy's Bakery. <laughs> because once, once again, we've gone full circle back into the culinary industry, which is exactly what I planned. Uh, do tune in on the Onyx Path Discord to give us your thoughts. Uh, we, we do care and we want to hear them. Danielle, if people want to find you online to discuss any of these fantastic ideas, where should they go? Don't. Um, you can find me at. <laughs> Don't look for me. <laughs> you won't find me. Uh, you can find me at daniellozon.com. Uh, I'm also sometimes in the Discord. I'm there about... right now. Right now. Right well, now. Well, it's going to be a bit late by the time this goes out. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> how about you, Dixie? Uh, you can find me pretty much anywhere as Dixie Cyanide. I am also in the Discord right now. Okay, and you can find me on Matthew Dawkins. I am not on the Discord right now, but I might be on Friday when the episode launches, so we'll have to see. I'll be there to field your questions about all these wonderful ideas. And with that said, many worlds. Welcome.